Thank you so much for joining us for this week's message from Real Life Community, where we talk about connecting with God and others, growing in Christ-likeness, and sharing God's life with the world. My name is Sarah Comer, and I serve each week as Connections Pastor, making sure that you know that there is a God and a community that loves you and wants to go through the seasons of life with you. The easiest way to connect with us from right where you are is by downloading our free Real Life Community app from your app store. You can also find us at reallifecommunity.org, and we would love to meet you on Facebook or Instagram. Until then, we hope this message meets you right where you are and helps you know just how deep the Father's love is for you. Revelation, here we go. We are in the middle of this series. Today is Revelation chapter 6 and 7. And uh, Sierra and I are going to be splitting up this teaching today. So we decided to play a little good cop, bad cop with it. I, I actually have, uh, I have the bad cop. So I get to come up and tell you all the horrible things that are going to happen uh, in chapter six in Revelation. And then Sierra gets to come up and tell you it's all going to be okay. Uh, so that's kind of like the, the basic gist of the message. But uh, let me back up just a little bit because I know we got some, some kids in today that don't know exactly where we've been. So let me back up to last week. Last week, uh, we hear that John, uh, the heavens open up to him and he sees the throne room of God. Okay, And in the throne room of God, you've got the heavenly father sitting on the throne and the lamb of the the lamb who is Jesus is there with him. And before him, the spirit of God is there. And so you've got the Trinity there on the throne and all of creation is surrounding the throne pointed at God in worship. This is the, the way that our lives are meant to be, to be pointed towards the throne of God in worship. And there's this scroll that we find out about in the heavens, and the scroll is sealed shut seven times. And the scroll represents how we, creation, humanity, get to the end when the heavens come down and the earth and the heavens are joined together and the new creation comes. We, we call that the telos or the, the, the end towards which we're working. And the scroll represents how we get there, but it's sealed shut. Now, and nobody can open the scroll except for they find the lion of Judah or the lamb who was slain, but who is still alive, who is Jesus. And so when Jesus takes the scroll representing how we get to the new creation where God heals all things and restores all things, everybody falls down in worship. Jesus has the scroll. Everything's going to be good. But here's where we break into chapter six. Chapter six, we start, and really for the next 12 chapters or so in Revelation, we have scene after scene after story after story of scary, scary stuff. Uh, There's lots of dramatic images and really uh, just battles and uh, blood and wars and and all sorts of monsters and all sorts of scary things uh, that we're going to read. And it starts here when we start breaking the seven seven seals off of the scroll. And I want to say two things about all the scary stuff that we're going to read about in the next 12 chapters or so in Revelation. Number one is that uh, this, this series of, of battles and wars and monsters that we're going to read, there are three retellings of the same kind of thing from different angles in Revelation. So it's not a straightforward kind of thing. It's not like this happens and then this happens and then this happens and if you could identify this person and that person, then we'll figure out how far we are towards the end. John tells these scenes where he's trying to represent, listen, this is important, the danger of evil. 
the, the, the limited power of it, but it's dangerous and it's, it'll seduce you into getting in and then it'll try and suck the life right out of you. That's what evil does. And so John's trying to paint a picture of that and he'll do that in a couple of chapters and then he'll lay that down and he'll start all over and he'll do it again from a different perspective with different images and then he does that one time and he does it again later on. So today, the images that we're gonna work with are the four horsemen. Uh, these are the first four seals, and then seals five and six and seven we'll get to. Uh, but uh, that's one thing I want to say. These are a series of images trying to represent evil. And then what we're also going to find is that as John is describing the danger and, and destructiveness and life-sucking nature of anything that opposes God in, in the world or in the heavens, there's a contrast to the goodness and the true authority of God, the Creator. And he'll, he'll contrast those over the next several chapters. Um, so uh, the second thing that I want to say is these images are dramatic and scary sometimes. They're intense. But John is speaking to, we have to remember, John is writing to a church in, the, in that day that is wrestling with an empire that is crucifying them and throwing them to lions and coliseums. They are dealing with an incredibly intense danger. And so for John, if he would have like thought, okay, how do, I, how do I imagine what you're going through and speak to that situation? You can't just say like life is a box of chocolates to people uh, who, are, who are struggling with that kind of stuff or a teddy bear fought with another stuffed animal. Like evil is nasty and dangerous and scary. And they were living through it. And so John gives it some images that match the intensity of what they're living through at the time. All right. So uh, we're going to work through the four horsemen. And I actually need some help this morning with this. And Sam Hathaway is going to help me uh, this morning. And he is going to come up and do some drawing. We've got the four horsemen. Let's see, Tyler, if we can get that up on the screens. Here we go. Yes, we've got the four horses. And Sam is going to fill these horses out for us this morning because all these horses represent something. Okay? They represent something that is true in that day that John is writing. And it's true in every generation from that day to this day that there are these evil, destructive powers in the world that seem to be running loose, okay? So Jesus takes the scroll. He begins to break off the seals. And when he breaks off the first seal, John says, I looked in chapter six and before me was a white horse. So Sam, can you color that white? I'm just kidding. It's already white. Uh, so he looks and there's a white horse there and it's rider. So there's a rider on it. Sam, do your best. It's writer held, Sam graduated with an, Sam graduated with an art degree um, from preschool. Uh, it's writer held a bow. It's writer held a bow. And the writer was given a crown. And he rode out as a conqueror bent on conquest. Now, so, so this, this writer represents conquest here. Now, again, so we break a seal that gets us into the scroll, which is going to show us how we get towards the end when God remakes and restores everything. This is a part of what we live through, is the conquest. What is conquest? It's nations going out and conquering other nations. 
It's showing uh, power over somebody else and through bullying, through um, any, any time where you try and exert your power over somebody else rather than serving that person. This is what conquest does. And the seal says that this, this writer was given power. So it's not his own authority. It is borrowed authority somehow. And he's out riding in the world. So everywhere you see conquest, this is the first rider on that horse. And then the landum opened the second seal and he heard the second living creature say, come. And then another horse came out, but this one was a fiery red one. Are we doing this? Yes, very good. All right, Sam. Um, fiery red one. Its rider was given power to take peace from the earth and to make people kill each other. And to this rider was given a large sword. And so the second horse and rider represent violence. Do we see violence in the world today? Did that early church getting this letter see violence in the world? And yeah, sometimes it seems like violence is running rampant uh, everywhere we look. You know, video games, movies, but also in real life with gangs and wars and bombs and guns and uh, shootings and all sorts of things that, that violence, there is that horse that still rides today. And we deal with it. The next one, the third seal gets open and he hears a third living creature say, come. And he looked and there before him was a black horse. And this black horse is interesting because its rider was holding a pair of scales in his hand. You know, the like Lady Justice where she's got the, the scales there. Uh, so its rider holds a pair of scales in his hand. And he heard of what sounded like a voice among the four living creatures saying, Two pounds of wheat for a day's wages and six pounds of barley for a day's wages and do not damage the oil and wine. See, Rome at the time had promised cheap wine, cheap barley, cheap grain, cheap all the food that you would need. If you would just come into the Roman Empire, you'll be able to afford everything. But what the reality was, was there were these different classes of people like we experience so often. Some people could afford it, but a lot of the peasants that John is writing to in the churches couldn't. That the prices for the basic necessities of things in life were outside of their reach. And so the third writer represents economic imbalance and hardship. Economic hardship. And then there's the fourth seal. And he looked and there before him was a pale horse. Its rider was named Death and Hades was following close behind him. And they were given a power over the fourth of the earth to kill by sword and famine and plague. And by the wild beasts of the earth. So these are the four horsemen. You drawing a skeleton now? Is that what's going on? Okay. Uh, and some, uh, some gravestones here because death is coming behind him. And, and so death. So we've got these four horsemen, conquest, violence, economic hardship, and death. Guys, these were things that the people of God were dealing with back in the day. Every generation since then has dealt with them, and we deal with them today and will continue to until God makes all things new. Now, let me say a few things about uh, these horses. Their power is borrowed. This is important. Uh, this causes all sorts of theological questions where it says that their power was given and John doesn't answer any of these. We just have to struggle with the tension, but their power is given, which means that at some point their power gets taken away as well. 
their power, the power of these, these things, conquest, violence, economic hardship, death, it's tempting to side up with these and think if I can find a safe place where none of these hurt me here, then I'll be okay. But John wants to say to us, all of the power that they represent is limited. There is a greater authority that exists in heaven with the one who holds the scroll and gets to break open the seal. Sam, thank you. You did a great job. Let's give Sam a hand. Um, so their authority is limited. Hold on. These are my notes. Let me get off of this. Uh, and let me quickly wrap, uh, wrap up what I want to say here. Their power is limited, and in some way, they must run their course. They, they've got to go. If we're going to get to the end, these powers have got to run the course. Now, the next two seals that I want to talk about for a minute paint very different pictures, and they're going to contrast safety in heaven with dangers on earth. The seal number five is broken open, and we find a picture in the heavens of the saints who have been killed by these four uh, horses uh, and the riders on them hiding under the altar in the throne room of God. And they're hiding there and they're crying out to God, how long, Lord? How long until you avenge our blood and our deaths and, and, and bring justice on the world? They're hiding under the altar there asking God, how long? And the answer that they get is not an answer that they maybe want and it's, it's wait a little longer until the full measure of the, the darkness has been run through the earth. It's got to run its course and, and, and have the completed number uh, until we're all done. So hang on just a little while longer. And then the sixth seal is open. Oh, by the way, these who are hiding under the throne of God are given white robes and they're protected there. They're protected there in heaven. This is in this place. Actually, we see the safe is the safest place in all of the universe that a person could possibly be is there under the altar of God crying out to God. And, and those Christians who received the letter back in those days would have been crying out that same prayer. How long, O oh Lord? And then the sixth seal is open. And when the sixth seal is open, you have this cataclysmic event. The sun turns uh, black. The moon turns blood red. The stars fall from the sky. All the mountains are removed from their place on the earth and the heavens are split open like a scroll. That sounds like a hymn right there, doesn't it? Uh, somebody should write that. And, and so, so, so at this point, all of the people who had sided with the horsemen on the earth recognize that the day of the Lord has come and they have nowhere to hide. All of the things that they had had sided up with all of the violence and the conquest and trying to make their way up the economic ladder and cheating death or whatever, all of the things that they had done to make themselves safe here on earth were taken away from them. And they find themselves with nowhere to hide. They're exposed before the judgment of God in this moment. And here's the line before I hand it off to Sierra. The line is, who can withstand the day of the Lord. Let me recap what I wanted to say this morning. Number one, there is permission for evil to run its course and do its worst. The martyrs who have been harmed find safety under the altar of God. And while the ones who wreaked havoc on the world in their day and thought they were safe, when the day of the Lord comes, there is nowhere for those folks to hide. Sierra, can you take it off? Okay, I need you guys to turn to Revelation 7 if you don't have it open, okay, on your um, 
phones or in your Bible. So the very last line of chapter 6 says, For the great day of their wrath has come, and who can withstand it? So we've just heard about all these terrible things that are happening, and it's going to happen, it's going to come. But who can withstand it? And all of chapter 7 gives us that answer. Who can withstand this wrath of God? So we're going to very quickly kind of run through this, and then I'm going to have the kids give me some assistance. So we're going to read chapter 7 together. So this is John. He says, After this I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds. So, like, just picture this scene. There's, he sees four angels, and they're holding back the wind. Who can do that? Carter, can you hold back the wind? No. Can you make it stop? No, I so there's these four... Child, sit down. <laughs> so, so there's these four angels, and they're holding back the wind. So imagine if you're here on earth, and all of a sudden the wind stops. I've heard before that sometimes in tornadoes it kind of gets calm right before a tornado comes. Kind of that eerie, spooky feeling. So this is what's happening. It's like something's coming. Like what just happened? The wind just stopped. So something's coming. But then I saw another angel coming from the east had a seal of the living God and a loud voice said to the four angels that were given power to harm the land and the sea. Don't harm the land and the sea. Wait. I know it's getting ready to come. I know what's about to come is bad, but wait. We have to seal the foreheads of those who serve the living God. So we'll go back to that in a minute. What does that mean? So then he hears the number of those that were sealed is 144,000, 12,000 from all the 12 tribes of Israel. He said, and then I look and there's this great multitude that no one can count. So again, kind of like last week, he heard Lion of Judah, but then he looks and he sees the lamb that was slain. He heard a number, 144,000 people were sealed. But then I look, and it's this great multitude. I can't even count them. There's so many people. How many of you have ever been to a concert, a huge concert, where there's just tons of people, or a football game or something like that? There's just people everywhere. So just imagine this scene that's up in heaven. There's just, you can't even count. There's just multitudes of people of every tribe and nation and land. And they're crying out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne to the Lamb. And then the angels were standing around with the elders and the four living creatures. Kids, can you tell me what prophet from the Old Testament saw the four living creatures? Anybody remember who that was? Remember those weird things that had all the different heads? Okay, no. McKenna, do you remember who it was? Who was that that saw all those weird things? It's this symbol in our, in our song. Ezekiel, exactly. So these are the same living creatures. They're up there in heaven. So is that going to be cool someday, guys, to go up there and see those things with all the faces? That's going to be cool. So they're going to be up there, and they start saying, Amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength to our God forever and ever. And then one of the elders asks John, who are these people in the white robes? And John's like, well, you know. And he's like, yeah, these are the ones that have been through the great tribulation. They've been through it. And they're back now on the other side of it. And then he says in verse 15, therefore, they are before the throne of God. They serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter him with his presence. 
That's one thing that really excites me about heaven, guys. Have you ever, like, felt the thickness of his presence before here on earth? Where you get overwhelmed with a sense of who God is and he's here? Well, that is going to be magnified by a billion when we get to heaven. That's how it's always going to be. It's always going to feel that way, but even better. And that always excites me. And that's what I think when I think of he's sheltering them with his presence. And this is not just for these people up in heaven. This is for us now. This is his promise for us now. He's going to shelter us with his presence to feel that safety. Never again will they hunger. How cool is that going to be? Who's hungry right now? I'm hungry. Never again will you be hungry. Never again will you thirst. The sun will not beat on them or any scorching heat. The lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. So as we're reading through this, does that sound familiar to anyone? Those last couple lines? He will be their shepherd. He'll lead them by strings of, streams of living water. What's that sound familiar to anybody? Anybody guess? What's that from? Psalm 23. Cheat, are you? <laughs> yes, Psalm 23. Okay, great. So if you turn with me to Psalm 23, and I think we have it on the screens, hopefully. This is David a long time ago talking about God being his shepherd, right? And when I think about... Um, all these different things that it's talking about and all the hardships that we're going to go through, you can't help but be comforted by the idea of Jesus being this shepherd. So kids, if I've given you a card with a sheep on it, I need you to come up to me, okay? Grab your card and bring it up here. And we're going to read through them real quick, okay? Who has number one? Gray. All right, Gray. We're, this is, just to preface, we're going to kind of look at how shepherds take care of their sheep and then I need you guys to think about how this compares to Jesus and what he does for us, okay? All right, guys, hold on. Look great. Shepherds care for their sheep night and day. They led them into grassy areas to graze and to, took them to clean, calm water to drink. Very good, Gray. Thank you so much. Here, I'm going to steal this. You can go sit down, buddy. Okay, so they would take them to clean, calm water to drink. What would happen to the sheep if you took them to some raging rapids? Yeah, they would fall into the water. That would be bad. So the shepherd knows. He knows his sheep. Like Jesus, he knows us. And how many of you love to just sit by some calm water and just listen to the water? That is what I, I can like. just fall asleep. It's fantastic, right? It's a place of rest. It's a place of peace. It's a place of calm. And Jesus being our shepherd, he likes to take us to places like that. Okay, Bryce, are you number two? Yes. Okay, ready? Sheep have complete trust in their shepherd and follow the shepherd's voice even when walking thought dangerous places. Exactly. Good job, Bryce. Thanks, buddy. So he, the shepherds have a specific voice, right, and the sheep know his voice. And how often is it in hard times? It says even in the dangerous places, they know his voice. And Jesus is our shepherd, even in the dangerous places. Even when things are scary, we can hear his voice. And the more we practice listening to his voice when things aren't scary, it's easier to hear him when it is, right? So he's our shepherd, and he wants to lead us, and he wants us to hear his voice. Number three. Shepherds anointed their sheep with oil to protect them from 
flies, gnats, mosquitoes, and other insects. Yes. Good job. So it talks about he anoints them with oil, and this is in Psalm 23. You anoint my head with oil, and I thought that was really interesting, and I learned something because I didn't know that shepherds put oil on their sheep. Did you know that? No, I did not. But it's a way to protect them from the bugs and from the elements, and how often does the Lord protect us from those things as well? He, he keeps us safe, and even in the storm, we were just talking about this in our family devotions the other night about we can go through storms in our life, and the storm doesn't necessarily always mean a tornado or something like that, but it can mean hard times and scary times. And a lot of times, he doesn't promise. If we look back in Revelation 7, they say, wait, don't let it start until we've sealed the foreheads of our people. He didn't say, don't let it start until we get our people out of there, right? And that's a key thing because we need to realize that in this world, things are still going to happen that's not good and not fun, and we might not like it, but he's with us, right? He's with us, protecting us. Okay, you number four? Mm-hmm. At night, the shepherds guarded the sheepfold or sheltered the flock in a cave. If, a, if the howl of a hyena scared the sheep in the darkness, the shepherd's voice could calm them. Thank you, bud. Okay, go sit down. Isn't that so good to think about? I mean, it doesn't take much for us to even connect that with Jesus. Please go sit down. No, you're going to be in trouble. Love you, go sit down. Okay. The, um, even in the darkness, when things are scary and hyenas, have you ever heard a hyena howl? Ooh, yeah, like, yep. So if you've ever heard something like that, can be really scary. And so they hear his voice, and it calms them down, right? Okay. Five? You five, Boone? Okay, buddy. Shepherd, use a heavy wooden rod as a weapon against, against wild animals that Ward would harm the sheep. The ward was also used to discipline the sheep. Thank you, Boone. Good job. How many of you here like discipline? Woo! Oh, yeah! Let's go discipline! Right? You kids love getting in trouble all the time, right? But if your parents didn't love you, they wouldn't discipline you, right? We all need correction at times. And that's another way that he's our good shepherd is he kind of helps guide us and helps us learn how to be good people and how to be kind to our brothers and sisters and how to share, you know, all these things. Discipline is a good thing when it's done right. And Jesus is very much that. Sometimes I've talked about many times in my life that sometimes I feel like he just hit me over the head with a God club. Because sometimes we just need a wake-up call where he's like, Sierra, you're not doing this right. Or, Sierra, you need to do something different. You know? So it's his rod, and it can be a good thing. Okay. Last but not least, Johnny. The shepherd's staff was a long stick, often with a crook or a hook on one end. Shepherds learned, uh, shepherd leaned on one end of the staff. When climbing, they also used it to guide it, to guide the sheep when, and rescue them when they got stuck. Excellent. Thank you, kids, so much for your help. 
Yes, so sometimes we also need help when we get stuck, and he is the good shepherd, and he is always there to help us when we get stuck or when we're in a tricky situation. Um, okay, so to kind of just finish it out, who can withstand it? Who can withstand the wrath that is to come? And it's those of us who trust the good shepherd, right? We have the Lord as our Savior, and he's our shepherd, and he guides us through it all, and he's there to keep us safe. He's there to be with us, even when we might still get harmed. He's there to keep us safe. So, thank you, buddy. Those who let the shepherd lead, some of us have to face and have faced some really tough times in life. But there's hope and rest and reward to come. And that's what we as Christians understand in our life is that things are going to be tough. Things are going to be hard. But he's with us. He's with us. And, and we have those white robes to look forward to one day. And we have the never-ending presence of God to look forward to one day. And even though the worst the world can do won't ultimately hurt you, the Lord is your Savior and Shepherd. So even when we have those hard times that come upon us, we, we have to lean on him. We have to trust in him. He is our hope. He's our future. He's our leader and our shepherd and our guide. Okay, let's pray, guys. Dear Jesus, we thank you for um, speaking to us today, Lord. We thank you for guiding us for being our shepherd, for being the good shepherd that knows us. Pray that you would help us, Lord, to learn to recognize your voice through all of the dark and scary things that might come our way. Help us to lean on you to guide us and protect us and be with us no matter what comes our way. Help us to always believe that you will be here. You are with us. Give us that trust today, Lord just like the sheep trust their shepherd to keep them safe through all the things that they deal with, we can trust you all the more because you know us inside and out. You know exactly what we need, and you love us more than we could ever understand or fathom. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you do. In your name we pray. Amen.